If you have your Bibles, would read with us. Look with us tonight in Hebrews, the twelfth chapter. We've got several other places marked. I hard to read just a little bit of this. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and we'll start in the 11th verse. I pray that even the reading of the Word of God would be a help to you and benefit. In the 11th verse, Now no chastening for the present time seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow after peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, Look, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Least there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For you are not coming to the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it should be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Sinai, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and into an innumerable, an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying yet once more, I shake not, on, not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things which are shaken, as of the things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably, with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. You may be seated. It's a tremendous amount of Scripture, and I think as we have looked at this and Without a doubt, there's places in here where uh, I, I, I know this afternoon that one verse could be written and, and it not be covered. Uh, and, and I'm sure that even in this hour that our time is short, uh, but I hope for a few minutes here in the middle of the week we could draw in our minds and just wait upon God and 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 look at His Word and and may the Lord write it afresh and anew upon our hearts. As he starts this, and he speaks about the chastening. Now, uh, 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 there is no chastening that, that uh, at the present time is a good thing to him that's receiving it. But I, I want you to understand something. If you know, and not just suppose, and you don't cast it off as, so to speak, a, a, a bad luck. 
But if you know, and I'm telling you, no. If you know that you've been chastened by God, this is a great testament to you. I pray that in the days of your life, I, I, I know that some kids are, 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 are exceptional. I, I know of a, of a family that raised three sons and, and uh, their demeanor was quite gentle. Their personalities many times was not forward. Uh, uh, and and that, that man and woman raised three fine sons and, and rarely, if ever, did they have to have the rod taken to them. However, though, I know that as my mom and dad raised me, my other two brothers and my other two sisters, that there was many times, many times that we were lined up and we were chastened according to their standards. And I don't know about you, but I would say some of us have in very fond memory of those times wherein that we were chastened. And at the time, it didn't seem, it didn't seem very good. And I can honestly say, even as an adult man and father of my children, that there was some times in my life that I got some correction from my parents, uh, uh, some that, that I very well deserved. And then there was other times that I got correction from them that was a little overboard and maybe not justly ministered. But either way, I was living under their house and under their rule, and this tells me that they were willing to be responsible for me. So at their discretion, thus they chastened us. But what a blessing it is if you as a child of God can look back in your life and know, not suppose, not cast it off as misfortune or bad luck, but know that God has chastened you. For if you know that God has chastened you, this is a testimony that you belong to God. But if you cannot look back through the days of your life and reckon up that God has chastened you, then I would wonder, I would be very concerned and whether or not I belong to the Lord. Now understand this. Our parents chastened us and cha your parents chastened you <coughs> all according to the traditions of their fathers, to the traditions of our land. Now I know that we have today what some parents call, well, I'm going to put you in time out. I know that when I was growing up, time out didn't exist. I know that when my dad said, I'm going to give you a whipping, I knew just as sure as those words come out of his mouth, I've had to live. And I knew when my mom's temper reached a certain point, I knew that I was going to get a whipping. But listen to me, and I pray, hear this. So many times I cannot even begin to measure the difference and distance of, the, uh, 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 of how God chastens us versus how our parents chastened us. The only place in my life that I can even begin to reckon it is that per, perhaps when I was at odds with mom or I was at odds with dad and I might call to them and because I was in trouble with them, they would not answer me. That is the only like difference, that, like a uh, 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 passion, if you will, or, or like example that I can find where that I have been chasing the soul with God. That when, when my life is not being in tune with God, when I am, if you will, not in fellowship with God, and I call upon God, and I know that God is not listening to me. Well, preacher, God knows everything. Let me tell you something. God is a spirit, and they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And this truth must be recognized by us all. The saddest part of anything is when someone lies to themselves. Because you're robbing from your own self. Most people lie, we have a fleshly motive to get gain, to possess something that's not rightly yours. 
But when you lie to yourself, you're taking from yourself. Please, I pray, know this passage in heart that God said that they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So when you know in your heart that you've talked to God and that God by His amazing grace has impressed upon you His leadership of life, then you can know that there's been a conversation between you and God. When you seek to find God and know it in your heart and you get to no place, then be honest with yourself and do not lie. Start cleaning the closet. Start examining your heart and your life. And know, my friend, whether or not that you are in favor with God. Don't lie to yourself. But let us go on. He gives this example in this writing, and it's very tremendous. Because this is a, this is a, a true evidence of somebody belonging to somebody else. But he also says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down in the feeble knees. You can be encouraged, even if God has, if you will, I, my friend, reproved you by His Word. They sometimes, I can promise you, I've sat at the house of God, and by the very Word of God, by the preached gospel of God, God reproved my life. Well, preacher, I don't understand that. I sit here to learn. Listen to me. God has always worked through and by His Word at the house of God and through the men of God. So as God has seen His Word many times to deliver His people, to raise up and inspire, to reprove and rebuke. I pray that your life, my friend, can look back at the patriarchs when that the Word of God come to them, whether it exhorted them to go on down the road of life, whether it exhorted them to go back, my friend, if you will, and do the work right to start with, as David did, my friend, when he tried to bring the Ark of the Covenant back, and my friend, he went around the Word of God, went and got a new cart, the Ark of the Covenant didn't belong on a cart, he needed to obey the Word of God, but my friend, the chastening of God was on the scene. Don't lie to yourself. Be honest with yourself. My friend, so strengthen the feeble knees. Lift up the hands which hang down. Make straight paths for your feet. These things wherein, my friend, that God is correcting us and the road's crooked, may we get straight paths. Listen on. Least that which is lame be turned out of the way, but, but let it rather be healed. I'd rather have an obstacle of life, my friend, make me stronger and better for God, and then for it to permanently maim my life. I would hate to get caught up in something that would hinder me all the rest of my journey. I'd rather just come to the Word of God. I'd rather just come to the leadership of His Spirit and be healed of my infirmity. Now, many times people's infirmities is their stubborn will. Many times their infirmities is their doctrine. Many times their infirmities is what they are lusting after and their sin that they're going after. My friend, listen to me. Strengthen the, the, the feeble knees and lift up the hands that hang down. Take the reproof of God and let it be an add to you instead of an eternal deficit to you. Listen to this again. He says, make straight paths for your feet. Least that which is lame be turned out of the way. That which is, is crooked where, we, where, where it would be that we've all erred from time to time, be corrected. Be willing to get on the right road. And be found of God in a straight path, the straight and narrow. But God forbid, my friend, we get in the ditch and stay there until we're lame and are not able nor strong enough to go on. Well, preacher, there's some people, listen to me, I believe this without a doubt. There are some people that saved to the uttermost and they're entangled in a wrong doctrine. Many times by mom and dad. Many times by somebody they hold in high esteem. Many times by the socialized religion they've been indoctrinated. But listen to me, please. Did I feel the pain of my brother's whippings? Did I feel the pain of my sister's whippings? No, I could identify with my chastening. So it is so that when God would chasten us, let it, my friend, have its work in our lives. And let it correct us. My Lord in heaven, may we get to the place to where we're not lame, but strengthened and strong for the journey. 
Because I promise you this, friend. If you understand something incorrectly, it will hurt you. Did you hear me? I didn't say it wrong. If you understand something incorrectly, it will hurt you. And there's nothing wrong with being, be, being willing to admit that, that I've been wrong about some things. But you know what? There are people in their religious life that absolutely refuse to say they've been wrong about anything. And that's not right. That's not correct at all. I find in this book where they were great prophets and they were as brave, my friend, and as valued for God and they are still yet heroes in our day for what they accomplished. But it wasn't long that they too made some mistakes. That they too allowed their lives to get in the ditch. And many times that's still hung about their head even today. My friend, in the, the very chastening of God came on the scene. What doest thou here, Elijah? And it wasn't but just a few days before, my friend, he stood all by himself against over 400 of Baal's prophets. And if my mind serves me right, there's over 400 or something else. He was there by himself and 800 besides God that stood with him. And then in just a few days, there was one woman said he was going to have his, she was going to have his head and he went running in the head in the cave. So understand, friend, the, the, the worst thing that could ever hinder you or make you lame is to get you to the place where that you could never ever say this, I've been wrong about some things. Because I can promise you that the man on his feet's been wrong about some things. I've entrusted some people when I should have never entrusted them. I have, I have took some interpretations from this blessed book that I should have never taken. I had to wait upon God and dig it out for myself. But let us run on. He says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, that, I don't believe that's just talking about the end of time, but, but friend, I tell you, we need to see God today. We need to see Him in our hearts, in our lives. We need to be able to see Him high and lifted up. But my friend, understand something. If we don't see God high and lifted up, we're not going to see Him at all. He don't take second place to nothing or nobody. Friend, we must be in the place where we can see the Lord for ourselves high and lifted up. I want to see Him high and lifted up in every life that I'm looking at right now. I'd love to see the King of your city sitting on the throne of your life. It'll testify who you belong to. Listen on. He says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, least that any, le listen, least any man fail of the grace of God. Well, preacher, I would never fail of the grace of God. Are you sure? Are you sure? He came to his own and his own received him not. And Jesus Christ is salvation to the lost. Amen. And when the Bible says that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Amen. Well, I tell you what, my friend. He appeared in the very presence of His people in His day. But because, but because the grace of God was not clothed nor adorned or took the position that the religious people thought He was supposed to have, they rejected the grace of God. And they are people today that unless, my friend, the man that's on, the feet, uh, on his feet, unless he's their man, unless he's preaching their message, they don't want to hear it. My Lord in heaven, friend, hear me. Please, God, who in sundry times and divers manners, spoken to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. They who are not against us are for us. They sometimes I listen to, to some men and, 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 and I just listen to the Word. I wait upon the presence of God. Sometimes it comes, sometimes it don't. But listen to me, please. My friend, always hear me. Hear me. Every time you can reverence the Word of God, reverence the Word of God. God used the beast one time to turn his prophet. 
He now speaks to us by His Spirit. And I promise you that if you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. But if you are in the Spirit, you can be used of God. I witness in my own heart and in my own life some of the smallest acts of people, my friend, that had the monumental power of God in their life. I, I, I don't like to tell stories too much, but I remember doing CPR on an old man in Lower Big Pine Church about right here. And I look back there and I see three women. All the rest of the children are outside. That man's heart was not beating. But those three ladies, I assure you had a hold of God my friend, and they were calling upon the Lord in behalf of that hour. I remember their faces shining like an angel as much as anything else that took place that day. My friend, and they never said anything to me. They never, they, 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 nothing occurred. I just know that they were crying to God. The man was setting up on a stretcher when they loaded him in the ambulance. I'm not telling you stories to move with your feelings. I'm telling you this, friend. When the Spirit of God moves upon somebody's life, you need to be able to recognize it. Do not fail the grace of God because God's grace has passed by our life to strengthen, establish, and settle us. So when it comes by, I pray, if there's anything in life you can recognize, Recognize the grace of God. My goodness, what a glorious thing. Listen on. He says, Least any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Well, preacher, that's never happened to me. Well, let me tell you something about this 15th verse. It applies to everybody that's in this house. It applies to me. It's applicable to you. My friend, at different times in our lives, we have failed the grace of God. And thereby we may have defiled somebody. What do you mean, preacher? Let's look at it both ways. I've seen people say amen to something that God had nothing to do with. I've seen some people that should have said amen, my friend, that, that, that God did have something to do with, and they sat there because it was of the person that they didn't think quite had it. My Lord, people, please. We're in desperate days and times. We must get past, my friend, the things which are seen and start looking at the things which are unseen. And I didn't misspeak, and we'll read it here shortly. But yes, you can look at some things that are unseen. Listen on to the Bible. He says, least there, least there be any fornicator or profane person. Now I want to cover something. This word fornication. Now readily it's understood in the minds of Americans as this. As promiscuity, if you will, before marriage. Having relationships with the opposite sex prior to marriage. Yes, that is a fornicator. But when you look this word up, when you see what it means right here, it covers far more than just that. My friend, it is someone who's entangled in pornography. It's entangled, my friend, people's lives with vain conversations with the opposite sex. Anything, my friend, that will come against a sincere heart relationship wherein they are supposed to be bound. And that relationship, my friend, is trespassed upon by the desires and lusts of their own life. This is the fornicator. None of us escape. None of us escape. Well, preacher, I just don't know if I can be tolerated being called a fornicator. Don't lie to yourself. Don't do that. Because, dear friend, we've all been there. 
The thing about it is, God forbid we get used to the dark. God forbid that we get complacency to such a trespass against God. Listen on. Or profane person. Now profane, my friend, in our English language today is someone who may speak a swearing word. These words are used to emphasize a point. These words are used to exaggerate a situation. Many times I fear that we profane ourselves. How, preacher? Well, we think a whole lot more of ourselves than we ought to. We'll profane ourselves in our conscience to be pure or not as unclean as somebody else. Don't profane yourself. Just be honest with yourself. Oh God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Then you'll start getting on a straight and narrow path. But let us run. He says, for you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. My friend, when you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. This is the Bible. My friend, and this man done such an act that my friend, that this was no way that he could ever regain that birthright. And the Bible teaches us as we read in your hearing, my friend, that he sought it carefully with tears. But he found no place of repentance. Many times in our lives, and I'll tell you what, if we had a stack of do-over papers right here that all you had to do was come up here and get that piece of paper and sign your name to it, you could have a free do-over. Guess what? There'd be about that many laying on there when, when the service was over. You know why? Because we, everyone would come up here and get us a piece of paper so that we could do something over. Because we look back on life and we would not have dared done what we did had we known now what we do then. Yes, it's called a regret. And yes, you've gone. Don't lie to yourself. Be honest with yourself. I pray. What, what, what a robbering event to lie to oneself. Listen on. He says, For you know how that afterward when he would have received, when inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now listen. Now this is us. For you are not coming to a mount that, burnt, that, might, that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. My friend God, when He made manifest His presence in the days of old, this people feared. My friend, when they heard the voice of God, you know what they did? They went to Moses and they went to Aaron and said, Now Moses, we don't want to hear that no more. That's too fearful for us. You talk to God, then you come talk to us. You let him talk to you and then you come tell us what he said. They did not want to hear this, this, this majestic, all-powerful and all-holy ghost, my friend, speaking to their souls anymore. It scared them to death. I had this thought this afternoon and I would to God I could get to the place where I could ever preach this message. Imagine your soul, you by yourself, you standing before God. You, you are going to stand before God if you don't know Jesus. My Lord, what fear, what fear to stand before God without Christ. My God, my mind can't even take it in. Having to stand before a holy God without Christ. I don't know how people can imagine it. Listen on. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice words which when they heard entreated that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded and if so much as a beast touched the mountain it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dot. There was nobody nor nothing that could come close to God without it dying. And so is it still. That's not changed. Thank God He never changes. We'll get to that too, Lord willing. He says, And so terrible 
was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. You talk about a great man. Moses was a great man. You talk about a man of God. Moses was a man of God. Moses was a type of Christ. There was a time, my friend, that Moses stood between God and the people. That God told Moses, get you out from among them and I'll raise up another generation. He said, God forbid, take my name out. He stood between God and them. And my friend, this man said, so great and terrible was the sight that I exceedingly feared and quaked. Would that God, that the fear of God could be rekindled in our lives tonight. Oh, listen on. He says, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto a city of the living God. Listen, the heavenly Jerusalem, and into an innumerable company of angels. I love this. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Listen, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. How much more fear should we have? If we could stop and comprehend for a moment of time of where we're really at even right now. When the holy word of God's been read in our hearing. When that the gospel's being preached to our souls. When that the operation of the Holy Ghost would seek to save those who are lost and sitting right here. How much fear should be on us right now? Oh, but we get used to it. It's Wednesday night. Don't make too big of a deal out of it, preacher. Lord, help my heart. God, grip our souls. My friend, did you un- do we understand this for just a moment? Could we comprehend this short phrase? That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And yet we profess ourselves to be wise. I would wonder where's the fear? The evidence of our education, the seal and stamp of approval, I'm afraid of the diplomacy and the knowledge of the wisdom of God because he scares me to death. Heaven help me. He says, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, oh, that we could even get a glimpse. When the woman had an issue of blood and she pressed through the crowd, weak and feeble, When the blind man cried out, Jesus, our son of David, have mercy upon me. When these all cried out, when the great centurion came and said, I too am a man of authority. Speak, my servant shall be made whole. Jesus said, I have not found no such faith in Israel. I know not in Israel, my friend. Let me ask you something. Does it impress you when Jesus comes by? I tell you what, it ought to move us. It ought to move us in heart, mind, body, and soul. Listen now very closely. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Abel was innocent. Abel offered unto God an acceptable sacrifice. Jealousy of his brother slew Abel. My friend God went and and sacrificed and there was blood shed on the ground. My friend, even Abel's blood that come, cried out from the earth. And God said, his, he testified that his blood was crying out. If you've been born again, there's blood on your life that cries to God, my friend, that speaks some better things than Abel. That ought to thrill you. That ought to put wind in your sail and spring in your step. Listen on. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Oh, I don't want to magnify Mike Freeman, but I'll be glad to magnify the office of the gospel. My friend, you see, God set up the gospel. God was the one who chose the foolish, the preacher, the saved them that would believe. But listen, I pray that you get past what you hear with your ear. And that that speaks to your heart. That that my friend rolls over in your conscience. See, I pray, see to it. That you do not refuse him. Because if you refuse him, you're not refusing me. 
My mind, the flesh, don't mean anything. The, 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 the decibels that my, that my lungs create, my friend, with words that's formed in my mind, how that vibrate the vocal cords in my body and vibrate off the walls and ceiling. My friend, those are not the words that you're rejecting. You're rejecting Him that's dealing with your heart. Because you see, it was God that set up the preaching. And it was His Spirit that speaks to our hearts and our lives. See that you refuse not Him that speaketh. Listen. He said, For if they escape not, who refused Him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from Him that speaketh from heaven. I didn't load up the Holy Ghost in my conscience and bring Him here tonight. Now I'm glad to report to you that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit came to my life, made me a new creature, and they took up their abode. But by no strength of my flesh or no passion of my ideas or no zeal of my religious mind can manifest the Spirit of God. He's His own person. But I can promise you this. I'm not here of my own accord. I can promise you this. God sent me here. Not just three years ago, but I believe He sent me here tonight. I believe He sent the words He laid upon my heart tonight. And I pray that you do not refuse Him that speaks to you. You can refuse me. You can hate me. You can despise me. But I beg you, don't refuse Him that speaketh. Oh, Lord, help us. Whose voice then shook the earth? But now he hath promised, saying yet once more, I shake not, only, not, not the earth only, but also heaven. Now, where is God? He's in heaven, preacher. Where's Jesus? He's at the right hand of God. Where is heaven? My friend God said he had set up his kingdom in the hearts of his people. He don't just shake the earth. He's shaking heaven also. My friend, understand this. That if some man gets up and goes to preaching and he begins to rattle what you call salvation, he begins to shake and begin that that you think you've got confidence in that's called salvation, and it begins to shake and tremble. Did God put that there or did man? Let me tell you something. Ecclesiastes says that he knew that whatsoever God done was done forever. Nothing can be laid to it. The Bible teaches us who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect. Let me tell you something. If man can tear down your salvation, man's probably the author of it. But my friend, if your salvation will hold my friend, in the power and the Spirit of God, when God gets right down, my friend, to comparing light to light and darkness to darkness, and all your heart does is turn toward heaven and say, Oh, God's in the fire. Save everybody that's in the house. No room for doubtful dispensations in the eternal judgments of God. No room. You either are or you're not. And dear friend, we're living in the last days. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Because it's God, not man. And he's doing his best to save you for it's everlasting to us. It's not a shame to be lost. It's not. Especially if God's dealing with you. What's a shame is that when God is trying to save somebody and they reject what God's trying to do, that's a shame. Lord, help us. Listen on to the Bible. Whose voice then shook the earth? Did the earth not shake when Moses said, when, when God, he said, I exceedingly fear and tremble? Did not Moses' earth shake? Amen. But listen on. He said, yet, yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Listen. And this word, yet once more signify the removing of those things that are shaken. I love this. 
as of the things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Shake yourself from a dust of this world. Those solid things that God's given you, such as the armor, my friend, of a child of God, Faith and faith, love, and my friend, without dissimulation, and my friend, for the very power of God to work in the midst of the house of God. I pray, and my friend, let these things remain, and let the rest be shaken off. It may take some correction to get rid of some things, and may it be God that does the correcting. May it be the power of the Holy Ghost that strengthens, establishes, and settles you. But see that you refuse not Him that speaketh. Because if you think that you're, all your doctrine is right, and I cover the man that's on his feet to the back door, both sides, ceiling, and floor. If you think all your doctrine's right, you're wrong. If you think all your faith is right, you're wrong. If you think all the expressions of your love is right, you're wrong. May I get to the place that I could see how of a broken creature I am. And I know that I have a treasure in an earthen vessel, but this earthen vessel is no treasure to me. I find it a prison that's bred into corruption that should you turn it loose, it can be a devil in an hour. And so can you. But may the grace of God Shake our inward man to see the working power of God Almighty. Heaven help us. Listen now. He says, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom. Have you got a kingdom in you? Oh, my friend Abraham journeyed. Looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Wherefore we, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Cannot be moved. Let us have grace. Whereby, listen, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. How's been our service in the last few days? They don't have it much anymore. But they used to have full service gas stations. You'd pull up. They'd fill up the car. They'd wash the windshield. They'd check the air and the tires. They'd check your oil. They'd check your coolant. They called it a full service service station. But anymore, we can pump our own gas. See where we're getting at? <coughs> I remember days in my childhood's life when things got low when things got broken, then did hearts begin to seek after God. There's a time in this nation, I heard a man preaching back to this. I hate to venture there too much, but my goodness, what a message. Spurgeon was preaching one time about a revival that swept America, 1851. 50,000 converts in New England alone. Revival sweeping our nation and a man of God across the sea preaching to his congregation about it. Wouldn't have God we could be revived. I know how it feels. He told this story about a hero of mine, George Whitfield, who stayed at a, at a home in New England and and it was George Whitfield's customary, my friend, that wherever he stayed, he would diligently seek those people's salvation and their security with God. He was staying at a great nobleman's house who was a captain of the sea. Very well known, a man of renown throughout the community. These men and his family greatly loved George Whitfield, and he loved them. Yet George in his short stay there that time did not mention God to them at all. He confessed. His conscience began to bother him. Why haven't you spoken to this good man about Jesus? Well, he's a good man. He listens to me preach. Offered himself every, every type of, uh, of excuse possible. His last night there, he slept very little. 
Got up the next morning and he was convinced, well, it's too little too late. I can't do nothing now. Stood there in his room as he looked out the window and he had a diamond ring on his hand. And he took that diamond ring and he etched a message in the glass. The message he left was one thing thou lackest. And he left. After he left, the good man of the house went up there and he said, I want to see where this great man of God sleeps. He walked in the room and his eyes met the, the message on the window and he stood there and began to weep. God breaking his heart. Now it wouldn't have seemed like a great big work of what he did. One thing thou lackest. Stood there and wept. Called for his wife. She came up. He said, read that on the glass. She began to weep. She said, what must we do? He said, call the children. They came up there and they said, look what the good man of God left us to read. They all stood there weeping, convicted of God. My friend, the next time he come by there, they were everyone born again. May we be led of the Spirit of God. Amen. May we be led. When it looks like all hope is gone, there's no use, it's too late, do what God says to do. You'll never know what a blessing it could be to the kingdom of God. Because it ain't about our outward names, but it's about the souls of those we labor with. Those who suppose themselves to be born again. Those who we know are lost and entrapped in a snare of sin. And them who visit and frequent the house of God. Who, who know about God right here. But there is no fruit of eternal power and eternal life in their world. Pray. Be led by Spirit. That we might see God do a work. Salvation is of God. If we can see Him high and lifted up, He said He'd do the drawing. Bear with us, please. For our God is a consuming fire. I could have read that one verse and preached all night long. For our God is a consuming fire. I read back, my friend, as I spoke to you at the start of this. Are there any time in your life that you know that there's no shadow of a doubt? It wasn't misfortune, my friend, but it was the reproof of God by His Spirit that God really corrected your life. Said, come to me and repent. There's some here I wonder if God has ever said that to you. I love you, but God forbid I not tell you the truth. Because I can promise you this, repentance, there's none of us here tonight that's excluded from it. We must all be found on the repenting way to Christ. But as much as we said at the start of the service, if you know, if you know that it is that God has corrected you, then this is a testament to you. But down here at this last part, this too is a testament. For our God is a consuming fire. Do you remember when the prophet of God obeyed God? When he said, how long halt you between two opinions? If God be God, serve Him. If Baal be God, serve Him. Come up to the mountain. Bring your sacrifice. My friend, this man of God prayed 66 words. And my mind serves me right. Maybe 62 words. Maybe 63, somewhere right along there. And my friend, the fire of God fell out of heaven. You know what happened? The sacrifice got consumed. It licked the water out of the trench. There wasn't nothing left. Let me ask you something. God ever licked your water out of the trench? He ever consumed your sacrifice? This great consuming fire of God has He ever got a hold of you so great, my friend, that, that the next thing you knew, you come to yourself and you was already off your feet and you was praising God. Has He ever consumed your sacrifice? Romans teaches us that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. 
holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And be you not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove, that ye might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Let me ask you something, please. As much as you might want to say, yes, God has corrected me. I would thank any saved child of God could say, let, me, let us go further. Have you felt the consuming power of God all over your life? Or that it overpowered your person? That it overpowered your character? That it overpowered what you ever imagined anybody would ever think or suppose about you and you didn't care anymore? You got to the place where you absolutely had the king help us. It didn't matter if there was five or 5,000 in the house of God. You were going to praise him. Whether somebody else was speaking or not, whether somebody else was praying or not, do you know that God, not man, but God has consumed you? And we're quiet. I don't understand. I will one day. I will one day. Because let me tell you something. The days of my life he's consumed me, that's Ebenezer's. When he's caused me to shake from head to toe, trembled me to my very very spine, my knees felt weak like I couldn't stand, I had more running out of me than I could get my mouth wrapped around. I love when he consumes me. I pray to God that we'd all be consumed tonight. Called up in a praise to the glory of God. Why? Because He is worthy. Especially, especially if these words have ever fell out of your mouth. I'm saved. Because I can assure you this. All He'd had to do for any of us is left us alone. Never ever come by us. Never ever entreated me to his love. Never ever preached to me the gospel. I'd have split hell wide open all by myself. Catches me away. But God. (laughs) God who's rich in mercy. Come to where I was. There was victory won at Calvary for me. I'll leave you with this. And surely from the Lord. Stop lying to yourself.